0: Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Man, it's kind of funny that, uh, hey, are the kids supposed to be released now? <laughs> hey, if there are kids that uh, need to be released to Children's Church, now is the time to do it. Yay. There you go. Very cool. Like Carrie said, my name is Randy Tryon. Uh, I'm on staff here at Suburban. I've been here for a few years, and it's kind of funny that she had like a time of prayer for those who are sick. <laughs> hey, wave it back there, because um, I'm a bit sick. If you if you can't tell from my voice, a- and this morning I woke up and it was like there was nothing coming out. It was like I'm going to call Taylor Lynn, our youth pastor, and like he's going to come in, and like try to read my notes, and hopefully it goes okay, right? Um, but I was able to speak a little bit yesterday just so you, you, you all know, I got tested for COVID and I failed, which means I don't have it. So we're good. <laughs> don't have COVID, but there is such a thing as just a regular cold, right? And so I have that. And so if I can't get through the sermon today, one of you can come up here and kind of read through my notes. Hopefully I'll get through it. It'll be good. Uh, so this morning, um, Pastor Mike and his family are out of town. They had the opportunity to leave and and to be gone and to get some rest and relaxation. And so we're super excited for them to be able to do that. But we're starting this week uh, a new few-week sermon series, and it's called Better Together. Better Together. And really what we're going to do is look into and explore what it means to have a healthy church and how being together... And working together can accomplish that. So I'm excited for this sermon series. And I want to preface this by saying also we're talking about being together and coming together. Obviously we're in a season um, that's a little unique with COVID and everything that's happening there. And so there are people who during this season for health reasons... They aren't able to come together. And that's not what we're talking about necessarily. We're hoping that as we navigate through, and my prayer is as we navigate out of COVID, like there's such thing as post-COVID, I'm, I'm really hoping for that, that this sermon series will really pertain to that, about coming together and being together and better together. And so we're going to kick off this morning. I want to do something a little bit fun with you. Can we play a quick survey game this morning? Yeah, the answer is yes, we are gonna play a survey game this morning. And so what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna show you some pictures of food that are good combinations, right? And so your job is to, when, we, when I say it and we show the picture, raise your hand if it's better together keep your hand down if it's not better together. Pretty easy, right? And so I did some research and there, these were pretty common ones across different websites and there's a couple at the end that were common that really, really shocked me and so we'll get to that. But the first one is really, it's really easy. First one is peanut butter and jelly. Better together? Overwhelmingly, yes, it's better together. So I grew up, we had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches Literally every day of my childhood. And it can do one of two things. You can have like a nostalgia for it and like this this reminds me of my childhood or you could not want to eat another peanut butter and jelly sandwich ever. And so I'm the latter. I haven't had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in decades and I will not eat one until the day I die, I'm sure. Okay, the next one. Bagel and cream cheese. Better together? Bagel and cream cheese. Okay, not so much overwhelming, but yeah, Okay. Uh, Thanksgiving is coming up. How about turkey and stuffing? Do you have? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's another. I, I don't like stuffing, so that's not for me. Okay, how about this next one? Fries and ketchup. You got to dip it. Who here is a ranch person? Not many. Okay. <laughs> uh, this next one is actually one of my favorites. Uh, as far as a combination goes, grilled cheese and tomato soup. Yeah, great. <laughs> we are on the same. Okay, uh, the next one's my my boys are like super excited about. This is something that they would say definitely is a good combo: biscuits and gravy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. This is great. You guys are lively. Um, the next food is actually the first dinner that my wife ever prepared for me. chili and cornbread. (laughs) Yeah? No? Yeah? It's pretty good. I like that combo. How about something sweet? Oreos and milk. What about just cookies and milk? You got to have cookies and milk? Wow. Okay. Some of you are purists. The cookie has to be on its own. don't want to water it down with that milk. Okay, the last two are interesting, and the the previous service, there were definitely people who were like, yeah, I know that, and I like it. The next one is liverwurst on rye. Okay, we have, is there any more? We have two. It's good? Yeah, okay, I'll take your word for it. We traveled to Europe a few years ago, and that was, it's definitely a thing in Europe. The liver worse is spreading. And young people are eating it. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Yeah, I will. Uh, I will do neither. Um, the last one is interesting because I'm not sure if it's in a different part of the of the country or what. But I've never heard of it. But it was a common um, combination. It was peanuts and Coke. Oh, yeah. You heard of it? Yeah. I was shocked. You like it? Okay. That's your homework today is go home and have throw some peanuts in your Coke. It's good? The saltiness and I don't know. I just, it just seems weird. So we can look at those things. We're talking about food, obviously. But there are certain things in life that are just better together. Can we all agree on that? Interesting thing I was, as I was preparing for this, for this sermon I was thinking about this world that we all live in, this modern digital world where we consume information and we project information, and a lot of times it's done alone. Interesting, right? And how often do we in this world Do we walk through things that are really difficult or even like really great or exhilarating experiences? How often do we walk through those times alone, by ourselves? I read a recent survey that said the number of Americans who say they don't have any close friends has nearly tripled in the last 10 years, has nearly tripled in the last decade. And the most common answer is zero for the question of If they had anyone to confide in. The most common answer was zero. And it just, it seems strange to me. I don't know. I I think it's a strange phenomenon that's taking place because we live in this. We're connected all over the world. It's so easy to be connected with so many people, right? We're in the era of social media and Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and Twitter. And I don't know, there's probably a thousand other platforms Right, And we have all these friends, but they're so distant because it's this digital connection. And they aren't the friends typically that matter most when it comes to our happiness or our sense of well-being. Maybe you agree with that, maybe you don't. And I truly believe it's because we were meant to be together with one another in person like we're doing today. And it's an interesting thing, there was a, and there has been these experiments done throughout history that are, that are pretty horrific and heavy. And I'm going to read to you one. It was the first one, and they've done them since, but it was in the 13th century. And it was by a German king, Frederick II. He conducted this experiment to discover what language would children naturally grow up speaking if never spoken to. Interesting, huh? He was convinced, he was sure that it was German, And so to him, the premise seemed obvious, so it just needed to be proven, right? So how do you prove it? He took babies from their mothers at birth and placed them in the care of nurses, and they were forbidden to speak in the baby's presence. And then he also imposed this second, I think, equally cruel rule where the nurses were not allowed to even touch the babies, right? except for washing when necessary and feeding when necessary. They were instructed to leave them alone with no physical or emotional connection or contact. And due to a horrific, a horrific response, the experiment was cut short. The tragedy revealed something very significant regarding human nature. And maybe you have guessed or you've heard this story before, but the babies never grew up to speak any language because... They didn't survive. They all died. And it was Italian historian Salabini Adam in 1248 who made this scientific observation about the infants in this study. He said, they could not live because of touch, because they weren't touched. It's an incredible thing. The babies literally died. They literally died from the lack of human touch and being left alone. And even modern science today is now proving over and over again that humans, that we are better together, like biologically, that we're literally engineered to be with one another and that we actually flourish. We flourish when we spend time in the presence of other people, especially others who love us and we can love in return. And sadly, the opposite is also true when we're left alone. Right, modern medicine calls this failure to thrive. A failure to thrive. And so what does that mean? It means that physically, biologically, there's something that happens when we're not together. Like we were designed, created, put together to be together. What happens when we don't have strong emotional connections with others? We need to be together. People need other people to And so I was thinking about that. How does that translate and relate to the church? And does it? I think it does in some pretty significant ways. And that kind of brings us to um, our sermon series, Better Together as a Church. Think about this. Could the church, the body of Christ as the Bible describes it, be threatened with failure to thrive? Like I think about that failure to thrive, like people aren't dying in the seats at church because of it, right? It's not a physical thing, but is there something else happening in the church? And the church is suffering, it's always gone through phases of suffering, right? And so this morning I want to look at three questions as we continue on with this this topic this morning. I want us to to ponder this thought, and there's three questions. The first one is this. If it's true that a lack of being together can physically kill a human body, could the same be true for the church, that a lack of being together could kill the body of Christ? Ponder that. If isolation and loneliness can lead to suffering and premature death in a human body, can separation and alienation lead to sickness and death in Christ's body? The last question, since the church is made up of people who thrive in community, doesn't it make sense that the body of Christ will flourish when we come together, but perish when we abandon one another? Man, those are tough questions to think through. There are so many great things that come out of, and a lot of you have experienced this in life, that come out of people coming together in the church, specifically coming together and being there for each other. Maybe you've experienced these things. We're able to walk through life together, right? The ups and the downs. We're able to encourage each other when we need to be encouraged. We're able to enjoy each other's company. I have some friends in our church that I love spending time with, Fellowship of the Saints, right? We're able to hold each other accountable. It's a big deal. And speak truth into each other's lives when it's needed, when it's absolutely needed. And we're able to grow in our relationship with each other. And more importantly, that relationship that we have with each other, we're able to grow in our relationship with our relationship with Christ. When we come together, it is a big part of that. That is what we are designed to do I was thinking about that, growing in Christ, you know, the three Cs, Christ Church community, that we always want to keep in the forefront of our mind. But man, there's disciplines that we can have and we can instill in ourselves when we're on our own, right? We can pray and we can read scripture and there's lots of things that we can do and be disciplined about. But something special takes place when we come together. We're designed to come together. And through that, our relationship with Christ is strengthened. And so scripture tells us that we are the body of Christ and that we need each other and that we are better together. And when we do come together, man, we can change things in our community. We can change things in our world. There's some great things that come out of being together that we can accomplish. And I was thinking about that. Changing the world is really, really hard for one person to do. But man, Changing our communities and our world is something that we can absolutely do if we come together. And Jesus' words in the book of Matthew talks about this truth. It says this in Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three come together in my name, I am there with them. And so what is this saying? Saying when we come together, when we collaborate as a body of believers, as a church, he promises he'll be there in a different way. Obviously, he's saying this through scripture. He'll be there in a different way than when we are on our own. When we are alone. And Christ's presence will be there when we're alone. That's a promise too. But it's a different thing that takes place when we are together. In other words, Jesus is saying we're better together. We're better together. And I was, as I was preparing again for the sermon I was thinking through and being reminded of some great things that groups of people have accomplished throughout history. Man, there's some, some big things that a group of people with like mind, um, and they just put their mind to something. They can accomplish amazing things. And I was thinking about that. Let's break it down to the church. The church has done some incredible things throughout history. Man, they have. The church has done incredible things through it. God's people coming together and accomplishing together what they can never do alone not even close and i was reminded um just i don't know how many years ago how how many years ago was, was uh hurricane katrina that was yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a little while ago. But remember, it was devastating when it came through. It destroyed so many communities. And there was this gap and a need for people to step in and to help out, right? So organizations and groups, like it was just emergency time. And so they, they fled in to help with the carnage and the destruction. And if you look at the, at the statistics of the groups that were helping out, it's overwhelmingly the church, The church, man, just ran in there and took it head on and did incredible things. And I love that about the church. The church can do, when they put their mind to it and we come together, we can do some incredible, incredible things. I also was thinking about some of the downfalls. It's interesting because I was looking at the incredible things that we do together, but I I listen to podcasts podcasts quite a bit and... I'm listening to a podcast about dictators throughout history, (laughs) and so it's a little bit of an an ironic twist to doing things good together um, because, man, there's a risk when people get together of doing some pretty bad things as well, right? Horrific, horrible things, and that is definitely a risk. There are some downfalls, but I'm convinced the reward far outweighs the risk, and is it going to be difficult? At times it will be. It will be hard. It will likely be hard. It's definitely harder to have relationship than to not, right? I remember having a conversation uh, with a younger person just a few years ago. And they were talking about how they're not going to get married. They're not going to have kids. And there were just some, some you know, life choices that they were making that they're like, I've, I've witnessed and seen in my life and it's just, it looks way too complicated and hard and there's risk of heartache and, and hurt and man, they're just like, that's not for me. I'm not going down that road. And I remember thinking and I was like, you know what? I am, I agree with you on on some of that stuff there. I totally agree with you. It is going to be hard and it is hard. And there's a lot of potential risk. But I said, the reward, though, far outweighs the risk. And I believe that is true in the church as well as we come together. The church can be messy. Do we know that? The church can be messy. Believe it or not, if you haven't seen it, you will see it. The church can be messy relationally because we are people and we're a part of the church There are a lot of people in this room with a lot of opinions and thoughts and ideas, right? And a lot of those things, all those ideas, they don't line up necessarily. And so there's potential for heartache and mistrust and anger and disagreement and disunity. There is the potential for that when we come together. But I truly believe that we are so much better together than we are alone. Man, we are so much better together as we are alone. So better together. Together as the body of Christ. You hear that term, the body of Christ. And that comes from scripture. The apostle Paul talks about. And I want to read that to you this morning. Um, it's going to be up uh, on the screen behind me. It's a little bit different version from what I'm reading. But it's pretty much the same thing. And so it's 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 12 through 27. It says this. For as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many... Are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized in one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. So the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm an eye, I don't belong to the body, in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed each one of the parts in one body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be, right? Now, we are many parts, yet one body. That is a great description of the church. Man, we are so different, but we are part of the body. We all belong equally. And then if we skip forward to verse 24, it says this. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body. Division is a big deal. But that the members would have the same concern for each other. And I love this. This is a beautiful description of how we are supposed to be as a church. It says, so if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. What a great description of how we are to be as a church. So we're called to be together right? Serving each other, serving the Lord, serving our community outside the walls of this church. I personally want others to know how vital being a part of a local community of believers is to spiritual growth. You want to grow in your relationship with Christ, get plugged into a church, be a part of that community. And it's interesting because the church looks different. I mean, the church isn't, obviously we talked about this before, the church isn't like the seats here and this architecture and the parking lot and the entryway. That's not the church, right? The church is the people of God coming together by his design. And I've heard this so many times, this statement, man, I've heard it all the time throughout the years of being a part of ministry. And maybe you've heard this too. The statement is this, I love Jesus, man, I love God, but I just don't like the church. And if we're honest, that's simply not possible. It isn't. If we're, if we're, if we're um, reading scripture correctly, because the church is God's design and his purpose for his people. If we say that we love Jesus, we must love his bride as the Bible describes it. His body. Scripture is clear. We can look in Hebrews ten. 24 through 25, it says this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, being together. I love that. As some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approach. So if we look at that scripture again, it says, not giving up on meeting together. Be together. You are called to be, the ge- be together as some are in the habit of doing, right? Like this isn't a modern world problem that we sometimes think it is. Like back, back then, you get in a habit. Yeah, it's easier. I'll just stay home. It's easier not to engage and and connect and, you know, and some people are introverts and it's just like, you know, this isn't my space. I'm going to, just going to back off. And it's easier to sit at home and watch, you know, a sermon or a worship service online. And there's some incredible groups out there that do amazing online services. But there is something uniquely different about coming together. And that's why this scripture says, it says, come together. Don't forget meeting together. Don't make it a habit to sit home, to not be a part of it, to engage in it. The habit of doing life alone, don't get into that habit. It's been happening for a long time. It'll continue to have it, happen, right, it's easier. I love this quote by Marion Jordan. She put it this way. She said, through the gathering of believers, God meets our deep need for community, and through us, he carries out his mission. She ends that quote by saying, We are better together. We certainly are. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this The physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. And I believe that. It's so important, it's vital for our walk with the Lord. And it's vital for the church to be strong and do things that we could never accomplish on our own that we continue to meet together. And we are definitely better together. And so I was thinking about, okay, so we started off by talking about the physical um, issues that come with being alone, that that failure to thrive. Like we were designed, like physically designed, biologically designed to be with one another. We are called to be together. And then the Bible and scripture and, and Jesus tells us that it goes even further Like, you were designed spiritually. Like, in order for you to grow spiritually, you have to be together. You are called to be together. And it might not look like this church. I don't know what exactly that's supposed to look like or the perfect world. But man, the coming together of saints, the learning and growing together is an incredible thing that cannot be accomplished outside of the church And so I encourage you to continue to plug in and to engage and don't do life on your own because we need each other. We are better together. And so I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks and how this sermon series kind of unfolds and how um, it'll help our church to continue to get healthier, to grow, to mature individually and as 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 a church as a whole. And so this morning, leave with this thought, the reward far outweighs the risk we are just better together. Let's pray to close out our time. God, we thank you for um, just your word. We thank you that you give us instruction. And God, some of it is just obvious and it, and it plays out in the physical realm. But God, I pray this morning that we can um, just be so thankful that you've called us to come together and to be together. I thank you for opportunities that you give us to be together and to engage with one another. And God, I thank you so much as your word tells us that you use us all in, man, in such different ways, but we are all equally important. God, the church is a place for everyone, and I'm so thankful that you created it that way and you created us that way, God. let God be with us as we head out um, this day and help us remember um, those principles, those truths from your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. We'll see you next week. Also, really quickly, they're going to do some events in here. And so if you want to be a part of the body, we're going to pick up some chairs. Um, but actually, just this side. So like center over those, those chairs. If you want to help out, you can. You don't have to, obviously. But they're going to stack them in, in stacks of six, and then we'll push them against the wall. Thanks so much.